my memories of my grandma always took me shopping and my mom, when she was like in a really good energetic high place would like want to take me and buy lots of stuff for me. So I think part of me also associated shopping with really togetherness, this closeness, this loving connection that I got with the women that would take me shopping. And so I thought I would always kind of get that from shop, you know, that type of thing, like Right. That, that it was totally, and that it was that, so that's, that clutter magnet is true connection that you're looking for this true connection. And you did this experience with your grandmother and your mom. So you're like, oh, that's where it's, but actually the connection is you, is your grandma still with us? Is she still? No. No. So imagine this is an exercise I do in the book. Imagine you got her back for one day you wouldn't think about going shopping. You'd want to put her at your dining room table and make her a cup of coffee. Hey there, I'm Renee, a former shopping addict turned minimalist mindset guru. In three years, I went from totally broke and burnt out to debt-free minimalist. Learning to simplify every area of my life, both inside and out, saved my marriage, gave me the time back to live my life how I wanted to, and allowed me to love myself like never before. Looking back, the only thing I wish I had had was a friend to share the journey with me. That is my hope for the Unstuffed Podcast. This is a place where you can shake off the need to people please and show up as your authentic self, even if you're still wearing yesterday's sweatpants. Think of this as a standing coffee date with an old friend whose only job is to hear you out, hype you up, remind you that you are already enough and doesn't mind if your house is a mess. Let's keep this simple. Life is complicated enough. Welcome to the Unstuffed Podcast. Hey there, it's me, Renee. Welcome back to the Unstuffed Podcast. Today, I am really excited to welcome back a previous guest, Tracy McCubbin, author of the book, Make Space for Happiness. Today, our conversation is so heartfelt and amazing. We are going to cover things like shopping, shame, and the triggers that we carry, clutter magnets that Tracy talks about in her book, and how to find true connection in our lives and creating a life that's bigger than stuff. I'm really excited to share today's episode with you, so let's get to it. Well, hi, Tracy. Hi, Renee. Welcome back. I'm glad to have you back. I'm so excited to talk to you. I've been looking forward to this all week. So I'm so excited to be here. Oh, me too. I'm so glad I got to actually really do a deep dive into the book. And after reading your book, it just tugged at my heartstrings and was like a preach it. And there was like the laugh out loud moments where you talk about celery juice. I just, it was, it was wonderful. It was so great and such practical, but heartfelt advice. So I'm really excited to be able to dive into it with you. Well, I love that. And I, I have to say, I love having conversations with people who have walk the walk and put, put it into practice and, um, you know, made significant changes in their life. So I, I, I'm, let's dive in. I'm so excited in the book. You know, it says you were always pretty organized. Is there any sort of clutter? I know you kind of mentioned in the book that you had a certain clutter issue yourself, like where you kind of talk about the seven different, seven different areas that people tend to hang on to things. And I believe was yours, like, the area of knowledge. Yeah, mine's definitely so. These, um, what they, what uh, they're called, clutter magnets. Clutter magnets. Okay. Yeah, and the way that I describe them to people is like, imagine we're a whole person, but we have like a little part of us that we think is missing. Like it's almost like a little jigsaw puzzle part goes out, 
And we think that we're going to fill that part with stuff. If your self-confidence is really low, that's why you go out and buy a bunch of skin cream. You know, you're looking for true connection or you're looking for true love. So we think the stuff is going to fix this instead of working on ourselves, and then the stuff comes. And for me, it was always true knowledge. I never felt smart enough. You know, I have a very smart family and I was like, I started my business, not really knowing what I was doing. And so I'm forever like, you know, buying another book on entrepreneurship or another diet book. I have bought them all, like every single one of them. And one day I had this realization where I was like, South beach, uh, the zone and one other one. I'm like, they're the same diet. They're just marketed different. Yeah. Yep. Oh my gosh. No. And that's what I loved it. It was so interesting. And as I was reading through, it's like, I think I relate to little pieces of every clutter magnet, the one that really resonated with me the most. Tell me about, so magnetizing self-respect. I feel like that was one that really resonated with me a lot. Yeah. It's a very interesting one, right? It's sort of that we don't, like, we don't feel like we're enough you know, that we don't feel like we contribute to the world enough. I see this a lot with my moms who either worked before they had kids and that or stopped working or, you know, making that shift. I see this with my empty nesters. The kids have all gone. What do you, you know, who are you and how do you respect how far you've come? I think there's this feeling um, and I don't think, I don't think social media helps this in that, we all think we're supposed to be further along than we actually are, and, right? You're like, yeah. making story yeah. of my life. Yeah. yeah. You're like, why am I not down here? And we're not understanding the process and we're not understanding. Look, I didn't start my business till I was 40. My whole career path before 40 was figuring out what I didn't want to do. Oh, I'm not good at that. I don't like that. And then when I started my business in my 40s, I realized everything that I had done that I thought was a failure was actually another piece in making me good at what I did. And so, you know, sometimes your life is a journey of figuring out what you don't want and that it's not this clear path, that it's not like, I want to be an engineer and I'll go to get a master's. And so I think that we, when we're looking for our self-respect, we're sort of looking at for it outside of us. Well, if I drive a nicer car or if my house is bigger or X, Y, and Z, when really self-respect comes from, how do you show up in the world? How do you show up for your family? How do you show up for yourself? You know, how are you of service to other people? And I think in the terms of sort of the decluttering journey, which I know and people who listen know that you've been on a deep dive of it, decluttering is self-care. Being organized and having a home that works, that doesn't matter what it looks like, that's self-care. And that's where self-respect comes. When you take care of yourself, you know, that's why they say on the airplane, like put your oxygen mask on first. Because <laughs> you're right. good to anybody else. You know, you're raising a family. You know, you know. I do. And that's what I have always tried to find the balance. And that's why I love what you talk about so much. And I think I maybe said this before. I feel like a broken record, but I started my minimalist journey wanting to find myself. That was kind of, it started reading like um, spiritual self-development book. That's why the self-respect relates to me so much because I remember reading that first book. I remember like this, like quickly flashback, pause, slow moment where I remember when we moved into our bigger house, cause we downsized, I thought people are going to have to take me seriously. 
as a photographer, because I was doing photography at the time. And I remember thinking like, this will make me official. Like thinking as if I had the house, all of a sudden I'm going to have the belief in myself and I'm going to be worthwhile. And that didn't happen. I was thinking about that same thing this morning. I did a video this morning where I was talking about how almost like the stuff I think without us realizing it is like a a quick fix instead of rather putting ourselves out there and going after the things we want being who we want to be it's so much easier to like well I'll just look the part I'll just yeah. look the part totally I tell this story in the book but part of my early career was trying to be an actress and I was in LA and you know and I kept thinking I really believe and like I was it's funny I, I say this in the book it's like I was good, but I wasn't good enough. Like, you know, I knew I was like cute, but not cute enough. Like I knew people, but not enough people. Like I was always sort of right there. And I just remember thinking I was always one perfect audition outfit away. And yeah. I went to this huge audition in a nightgown because it was like for a period piece. And I remember the casting director saying to me, um, you know, we have a costume department here and they're really good at their job. And I was like, standing in my nightgown like <laughs> oh there is something to be said to sort of fake it till you make it like I'm gonna I'm gonna do this because you have to be uncomfortable and you have to try but when it becomes when you're buying all the accoutrements for it you're buying all the stuff that's a little different because that's not behavior that's like, well, I bought the right car or I bought the right this, or I'm going to start that. I've seen, you know, we've all seen so many businesses go under because everybody buys the stuff before they do their yeah. market research. And so I want people to understand that that self-respect or, you know, another big clutter magnet is people are looking for purpose. What's my real purpose? Yeah. And, you know, the stuff's not going to tell you that. The stuff's not going to tell you that. I struggle with finding the right way to tackle it because like you said, there is something to the fake it till you make it type thing. When I started doing the photography, I had a lot of that self-doubt and unworthiness. And so I just started saying my clients, I just started calling them my clients where before I was like, I'm taking pictures today, you know, finding the words and kind of just embodying it. But then I also, it's, so there's that, like you, there's a part of like the fake until you make it, we kind of do just have to, you know, embody the person that you want to be and start to believe in yourself. And then I think that there's stuff that like, as something as simple as getting my nails done, when my nails are chipped, I, I feel worse about myself. Just having nice painted nails makes me feel better. So finding that balance of knowing like, you know, or having a clean house, having a house that feels like you can truly enhance your life, but also finding that balance of knowing like, but the, but stuff isn't going to change your life. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, totally. And you know, I think the thing to, for people to remember about the clean house is that, you know, my whole point is that your house is a tool and we want your house to work for you. We want your, you won't want you to be comfortable in your house. We want me to be able to cook. We want you to be able to sleep well. I did a post the other day about, you know, what's in your primary bedroom. Like, it shouldn't have clutter in it because you sleep and people are like, oh, I have like 12 years of my back taxes next to my bed. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 that's not gonna, you know, and that's not about a tidy house. So it looks good. It's about if you're sleeping next to your taxes, you're not going to sleep well. It's it's in your brain. So it's understanding that the goal, like you said, is to have a house that works is to have stuff that supports you and doesn't detract from you. Look, if you have a storage unit offsite that you're paying 200, 300, 400, 600 dollars a month for, 
that's not supporting your life. Right. Cause there's, there's nothing in there. You don't go and get that stuff. I, I I've been in hundreds of storage units. You don't go. So you're spending, that's a lot of money, $400 a month. That's a lot of money. And most of the people that have those storage units aren't in a place that they have that kind of disposable income. So that's where, when your stuff isn't supporting you. Right. Right. And that's what, do you think there's like a fear aspect to it to people who just don't want to let go of those things? Like they still have to feel like it's serving them or adding value to them in some way that they can't let go of it. You know? Yeah. I think they're emotionally attached. I think they've sort of kitted themselves. Like I'm going to use it someday or they've just, you know, it's also that thing where I think it's always been that way. You know, if you went through a huge, significant shift in your life and how you, and you are very intentional about becoming, living a minimalist lifestyle. But before it's just always the way you've done it. It's the way your parents had done it, the way you've done it. So you're like, oh, well, we just keep stuff. That's who we are. We're stuff people. Yeah. And instead of understanding that we can make the change. When you were talking about the primary bedrooms, I saw that video. I saw that post. And I was like, oh, I do my taxes in my bed. Like when it's time to do my taxes and sit down with everything, I bring them all and pile them into my bed. And when you said that, I'm like, that's probably because I hate doing them. I yeah. don't like it. I'm not a tax person. It doesn't like get my engine revving or anything like that by any means. Yeah. Um, and even trying to work in my bedroom, I noticed the other day, just this week, I tried to sit down in my room and, and work and I just almost started falling asleep. Like dozing up. I need to remove myself. And there's something about that. That's such a good realization. Like, oh, I'm going to sit at my desk. I'm going to make a desk. I'm going to sit at the dining room table. I'm working now. The bedroom is for sleeping. This is sleep time. You know, I think that we, I think there's something about we try, look, I hate doing, I'm with you. I hate doing my taxes. It's like a joke in my family. It's always yeah. my mom's like, what are you doing? I'm like, my taxes. She's like, still? And I'm like, I know. <laughs> and the thing is, once you sit down to do them, it actually doesn't take that long. Well, it's not that terrible, but yeah, it's not that terrible, but it's about acknowledging sort of what parts of your house are for dining room tables to nourish you and connect with your family or, you know, yourself, your desk is to work at. Like when we start to smush those things up is when I think the house starts to get out of control. Right. Right. And that makes so much sense because like you said, that clutter can spill into areas that it maybe is not serving you in, you know, I, Dog aired this page in your book because this little quote super spoke to me. And I think this is something, this is how my heart feels about it. And I, I, I just had someone leave a comment on one of my videos that I'm kind of laughed. She goes, I love how you can be so emotionless about decluttering or something like that. And I thought, oh God, is that a good, is that a good thing? Or have I like reached inhuman <laughs> sides of myself? But, no, but I think that, but I think that comment, first of all, I think you were where she was a year to five years ago. You know, I think that she's deep. That's about her, not about you. She's still deep in the attachment. Yeah. Oh, and she definitely meant it in a good way. Like she yeah, thought yeah, it yeah. was great. Um, <laughs> you're like have I become a robot who just I know I was like everything away <laughs> maybe I need to consider while I'm conducting my life but I it's it's detaching my emotions from stuff right um because at the end of the day it, it's just an item it's just a thing it's just it's and I tell people at the very end of my days at the end of the time at the end of the world it's just going to still be here it's not going to be it only has whatever emotions i choose to give it you know 
Um, and that's why I love this part. Can I read a little section? Yes. Oh, I love this. But you can put every pair of baby shoes your child ever wore on velvet pillows in lucite boxes under custom spotlights, but your children will still have grown up. You can spend thousands of dollars on custom made photographer curated Shireen photo. Did I say that right? Yeah. <laughs> Shireen photo album of your wedding and a giant dry cleaner box for your dress. But the wedding is still just a party that happened sometime in the past. You can bring home every tchotchke from every stall in every city, but the vacation will still be over. <sighs> I knew you were going to pick that. I knew I you love it. I know. I love it's one of my favorite. And it's, and I want people to understand that it's about, I'm not discounting the experience. Look, I'm in the middle of planning a wedding. We're getting married in March. Like we're thinking about all the things, but my, our whole focus is our friends and family together to celebrate. That's right. it. Like, I don't care about the napkin colors. I really don't. <laughs> I like flowers, yeah, but plates, white, great. That works. You know, so it's not to say that the stuff isn't going to make those experiences last longer. They are a moment in time. And if you're so busy you know, I've seen this with people, especially when they go on vacation, you know, if you're so busy buying the stuff, you're missing the smells of a different country, the food of a different country, a, ch a, can a chance to interact with someone you would have never met before because you're just buying, buying, buying. And that's what it is. It's like, focus on the experience, be there, be there while your kids are growing up because it's going to be gone like that either. And if you're managing your stuff, if you're consuming stuff and getting rid of stuff and moving stuff around, you're not really there. You're not really present. Right. No, I totally agree. And I've, I have intentionally worked to do that. I'm so thankful. Like I, I stayed at home with my kids, you know, while running whatever I ran at the time. And I had to intentionally, especially I always remember nap times nap times when I had one of them on each arm, like we all would sleep together and I would kind of have to go and just bring myself into that moment and pause. I'm going to cry because I, I really worked to capture those memories. And I remember a time where this isn't necessarily stuff, but it kind of ends up being stuff where when um, our older daughter was in soccer, I was trying so hard to get the perfect shot of her getting like the soccer ball in the net. I wanted these amazing shots. And then I realized I'd miss a goal. Like she kicked a goal, but I didn't see it because I was so trying to get the perfect captured memory, but yet I'm missing the memories. As right. Cause you're in this stuff. We went to a concert a couple, a month or so ago. Um, we went and saw Sonic, Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack. They oh, took no. our cell phones away. They put them in like little pouches. Okay. It was one of the funnest nights I'd had in years. No one was on their cell phone. No one was taking a video. We were chatting with the people next to us, dancing with the people in front of us. Like when that piece of equipment got taken away, we just dove in, like danced for two hours, like high five and everybody. And I think that, you know, we hide behind the accumulation of stuff and photos are a great, like, I got to get the right picture. I got to, you're so in that, that the whole event just passes you by. And then, I mean, it's, it's really sad to think that you've gone through and you've got these pictures of a moment you weren't really even present for. Uh, so that's something I've intentionally been as well as like you say, the on vacation. I used to be the person who was just spent my vacation combing the souvenir shops, trying to find the perfect hoodie or shot glass to take home uh, instead of just being, being on the vacation. 
Yeah, I think it's interesting. So I, I wanted to ask you, because I I uh, have, as someone who's kind of gone through a big journey and, you know, really changed your relationship to shopping, do you think that when you made those significant changes, you were drawing a through line to sort of what was missing in your life? Like, did you sort of say like, oh, I shop because I'm dissatisfied? Or what was the catalyst to change your relationship with shopping? Oh, it's tough. Cause I, I, I remember a moment where it was in our townhouse. So it was even before we moved into our bigger house where I had just bought stuff and I just came home and I felt so icky and sick. And I felt, I can feel it in my body again. Like I felt ashamed. I felt mad and I was too embarrassed to return stuff. I, I mean, now I return stuff all the time. I'm like, oh, this isn't as great as I thought it was going to be. Bring it back. I don't want it. <laughs> like, get it out of my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that funny? That shame around returning, like, like you're sort of feel like you're like, well, maybe are they going to think that I can't afford it? Like, can instead of just like, I don't like this or I made a mistake. I, yeah. um, you'll appreciate this. I was with friends one time in Chicago, and we'd had a little bit of wine at lunch, and I went into a department store and got talked into buying all this makeup. Like, okay. oh, and I was like with girlfriends and I like left and it was like 400. It was like some crazy number. We went to meet our, our partners and my girlfriend's husband was like, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I bought all this. Like, I don't want it. I just, I don't know what happened. He's like, oh, I don't know what happened. yeah. And he was like, and I know what happened. Some handsome guy was like, you should wait, you know, the doing your makeup and you feel great. I'm like, I don't even wear this much makeup. And he yeah. was like, we're taking this back. And I know exactly what you're talking about that. I was like, Oh no, I can't take it back. He's going to think I can't afford it. He's uh, and the guy. And my friend David was like, who cares? You don't want it. He's like, I'll take it back for you. And he marched it back and <laughs> got a credit. But I do, I know that moment that you feel like you're like, I can't return this. Like it's somehow like that. They're going to, the salesperson is yeah. going to, and no salesperson has ever said anything. They're like, here yeah. you go. You know? As if the 16-year-old girl who checked me out was going to be like, oh my God, she's so poor. I, you know, I, or whatever it was, she's not going to know my shame and humiliation, but I didn't bring it back. I still, you know, I, I made room in my closet and that's what I always did was like, if, it, if you're bringing in, bring out, you know, so I would always kind of declutter in that sense, like basically, cause I didn't have any more hangers to hang things, but that's, that's where it started. And then just this realization that I was like, I said, when I realized I bought the house because I, I thought it would make people think more highly of me, which clearly was that I wasn't thinking highly enough of myself. And I started to go, okay, well, what else am I doing that with? Like, what else am I buying so that my husband thinks I look good? What else am I buying? Because the the women at church wear that, or, you know, that type of thing, like these women who I think I need to be like these well-dressed, put together people. I went in my closet and I looked and I thought, okay, like, what do I actually want to wear when I step in here? What are the things that I always want to wear? But a lot of times I wouldn't let myself because I thought, oh, I just bought that one. I should wear this one. Like I owed it to the shirt to, that it needs, it should be worn, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and I just took out everything that I didn't instinctively want to reach for. And then I just stopped shopping. And it was really just a pursuit of like, what do I actually like? Who am I actually? I think a lot of what I had been buying was me trying to fit some image of who I thought everybody else expected me to be. Well, and like a costume, you know, you're like trying to buy the costume to be the person instead of spending the time of being like, who am I? You know, right. I, um, it, it, 
it's funny with what I wear to work with clients. Like it's, it took me a while and I kind of circled through all this stuff. And then I was like, oh, there's a one pair of jeans. I love them. I work in them. I wear them. I have three pairs. I rotate them. I have these certain button down blouses. Like I just found a uniform and I feel good in it and I don't have to think about it anymore. Yeah. And so I think that when you're, there's something to be said for what you're comfortable in, but when it becomes a costume that you're trying to show somebody else who you are, you know, it's like you want, I want, like I always say, you know, I want you to feel, I want you to know yourself standing naked in an empty room. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And I love it. And that's, I've done a lot of like writing, telling my own story, even just for myself, brought a lot of realizations to the surface, you know, where I think back on, um, and I would love to hear your thoughts on like my memories of my grandma always took me shopping and my mom, when she was like in a really good energetic high place would like want to take me and buy lots of stuff for me. So I think part of me is also associated shopping with really togetherness, this closeness, this loving connection that I got with the women that would take me shopping. And so I thought I would always kind of get that from shop, you know, that type of thing, like. Right. That, that it was totally. And that it was that. So that's that clutter magnet is true connection that you're okay. looking for this true connection. And you did this experience with your grandmother and your mom. So you're like, oh, that's where it's, but actually the connection is you, is your grandma still with us? Is she still? No, no. So imagine this is an exercise I do in the book. Imagine you got her back for one day. You wouldn't think about going shopping. You'd yeah. want to put her at your dining room table and make her a cup of coffee and like tell her everything that's happened, right? You would like, I'll, I have the same grandma. I'm going to start crying talking about it. I know, it. it'll be too good. Like, <laughs> it's not like, me. My grandma came back. I, I wouldn't be like, let's go to the mall. I'd be like, oh my gosh, I have you. And so I think that that, you know, that you were looking for that connection. And, you know, if for some people it's hard to, some parent, you know, it's hard to express that. So I think, I don't know, we just got in this mindset. We're sort of retail therapy and like we're shopping together. And and what we're really looking for is connecting with each other. And And when I want to normalize that, I call you up and be like, hey, let's just go walk around the lake or let's meet me for a cup of coffee. Like, I want to take the shopping activity yeah. out of it. We don't need that to connect. No, I love that. And I loved that part in your book where you said that, like, you, we would never, ever want to hit the mall with no. someone who we got back for a day, you know? Yeah. And I think we, and I think that when we, when we live in a lot of languaging around sort of that, like retail therapy or, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's not being honest about what's really going on. Right. Not being, are you unhappy in your job? It's something, you know, all the things. And so I think we couch it in this cute and we make dish towels that say it and, you know, little signs on the wall and, um, and it's missing the point. My goal is that if we can get right with this and if we can get honest with this and if we can understand what we're really looking for, then the shopping is the cherry on the, you know, I'm not saying don't ever shop. I'm not saying that because you're going to have to, and you need things and it's going to happen and you're right. going to celebrate birthdays. But if it's out of whack, that's what I'm talking about. If it's out of whack. Right. You know, I've had so many people say to me, and I think this is always so interesting. And literally, it's a weird thing because a number of people have said it. They'll be like, oh, and I'm super stressed out at work or the kids are stressing me out. So I went to TJ Maxx. Or I went to Ross Dress for Less. And like just the click, click, click of the hangers, like it just calmed me down. Yeah. And, I, and it's like enough people have describe that exact sound where I'm like, oh yeah, that's, you're trying to escape, right? You're like, yeah. 
one good blouse away from all my problems being solved. No, I thought that was so interesting too. And then it's almost like a, what's it called? Like a trigger, not, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, activating. Like, you know, it, it's activating. Like if someone hears like a match, you know, like a lighter, like they want a cigarette, you know, or something like that, those types of, or like yeah. the dog bells, you know, that then the dogs want to eat kind of, you know, that type of thing where it's that like, was super Pavlovian. you get addicted to all the things and it just puts right. you fully in. And that's one of the things that, uh, you know, that I wanted to really highlight in this book um, make space for happiness is that that a lot of this is scientific. Like there's science behind it. Like we get a dopamine hit when we shop, right? We just do. Yeah. As, I think it only lasts for like 17 seconds or some no amount of time. Not very so, long. Not very long. So you're like, oh, well, I have to keep shopping to keep getting the, and instead of like, no, there are things that you can do that will extend that dopamine, you know, seeing a friend, writing, a, being of service, taking your neighbor's trash cans out to the street for them because they've had surgery, that kind of stuff. And when you understand that you're getting a little chemical hit from shopping and it's not going to last, then you're like, oh, right. I don't have to buy into this. My thought is, because this was it for me, was like, I was too afraid or had too much self-doubt to even go after what I wanted in my life. And so it was easier to just hide behind the stuff. And like you're saying with social media and all of us being on our phones all the time and something I hear a lot from women and is a really common thing is that make women struggle to make friendships, like mm -hmm. true friendships into adulthood. And so if we all can have this little shopping thing in handy and we all have the same pair of leggings, it feels like that can, you know, but then to actually, we feel like we're getting connected because we're buying all of the right things or whatever's trendy and we're posting the retail therapy just like everybody else is posting the retail therapy but to actually put it down put down the stuff put on the credit card or whatever and say i am missing this connection i need to get. and then to put yourself out there and start finding the friends like that's a lot hard it's a lot scarier but to me it's a lot harder staying stuck in that cycle of bye 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 never never happy never never happy Versus just forcing that just that comfort zone to actually get what you're craving in your life. Yeah. And I think that's such an amazing point. And, you know, it's so funny. It's like, it's so easy for us, especially as women to say like, oh, hey, like, hey, you want to, there's a, there's a sale at Nordstrom. Like, do you want to go? Instead of saying like calling you up and going, hey, Renee, I'm having a hard day. Like I'm dealing with aging parents. It's really kicking me in the teeth. Do you want to yeah. take a walk or can you meet me for a cup of coffee? But I know if you call, if I called you or you called me and we had an honest conversation, you'd be like, I'll be there in an hour. Like, I got you. Like, let me show up for you because we get something from it too. So, right, I, right. You know, being able to like be a sounding board or like, I've been there and this is what to expect. And this is, you know, and so I think that we have to understand that the shopping isn't connection, right? It isn't connection, it's just an activity but it's also a distracting activity because then you sort of get into, I think even no matter how close you are, you get into a weird competition. Like if someone else is there, you're going to buy something maybe you can't afford because you don't want to look bad. You don't want to look like, or how about, but what if we start to get honest about where we are financially? Like, I, you know, I just had this conversation with somebody about heading into the holiday season, like buying gifts that you can't afford because you want to look good to the rest of the family. 
Like, okay. How many people do that? Like, they're like, oh, I have to buy 30 presents, but I'm going to put them all on a credit card. It's like, how about you just say like, Hey, we had a tough year this year. We had, you know, we had to fix the house. We had an illness. We had X, Y, and Z. We can't afford it. Like what is so wrong with saying that? Yeah. And we, we did, we said that, I don't want to say uh, maybe last year or the year before. And my husband's family, God love them. Like it all comes from a great place, but like uh, his sister will buy us stuff. His brother will buy us stuff. And it's usually gift cards, which is like, that's great. Cause that's, I can actually use that. You know, I, I yeah. appreciate the gifts they give, but then my husband feels that obligation that he has to give them stuff. So we kind of had to have like a, let's be honest here, guys. Yeah. You know, we had this to get through. We had this to get through. We've got this coming up. And even with our kids, what we did with our older ones, cause we've got older girls who just got an older daughter who got married, another one who just moved out. We've got the group of older kids. We said, okay, how about we pull the money we would have spent on gifts and after the holidays, let's all go out and we'll all go do something together. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's so great. And I think that you know, and I, and I think that when we head into this holiday season and that conversation, I think, you know, Brene Brown says it clear as kind, be honest. Like if you're buying, and this is an old Suze Orman, she's been saying this since the beginning of when she was talking about everything is like, if you buy a gift for someone that puts you in debt, if you buy a gift that you put on a credit card, that, that is not a gift. Yeah. That's not a gift. Right. And, you know, if I like, for example, if you gave me a beautiful birthday present and then I found out a month later, like, oh yeah, you're, you know, you're underwater and your credit card, I'd be like, oh no, you should not have done that. So I think if we can normalize being honest about where we are financially, I mean, this Christmas, this holiday season, it's going to be a doozy. Prices are through the roof, right? Stuff is so expensive right now. Like, do we need to do this? Do we? And I don't, and there's so many ways to celebrate. And like you said, everybody wants to go to, can we pull the money and go to six five? Like what can yeah. we do? Especially Renee too, with the older people in our lives, like they don't need a gift. Yeah, They don't need a gift. I have a dear, she's a client, but a dear friend who's 94 and we just had brunch with her. And I was like, oh yeah, she just, this is what she wants. Yeah once a month, like come and have lunch with her. Like, and what I want to see her, I don't need to bring her a scarf. Well, that's what, how many people, you know, we give out of obligation where it's like, let's just head to bath and body and shove whatever fragrances in here so I can dish them out and no one's going to use them because nobody, nobody wants that stuff. But we have this obligation, like, well, I have to give them something. And that's something I've tried to do too, with shopping and giving is like, where's my heart at when I'm here? Like, I, I kind of have to check in with myself. Like, where's my energy at right now? If I'm, if I'm kind of sounding, trying to sound a little woo woo here, but like, am I showing up in a good place when I'm shopping or am I showing up from a place of like lack and I need a new shirt to make me look better? Or am I giving because I feel like I have to give and then yeah, like you said, that's, it's worse than an empty gift. It's, it's, you can't help but feel like that translates to them. Yeah. You know? And I think that, yeah, am I, what, what's my, wh where's my place? What am I giving for? Because a lot of times when I find that people are super resistant to like changing the gift giving scenario, it's because they want to keep shopping. It's not even that they want stuff. It's like, they want to keep shopping to buy for other people. Yeah. And oh yeah. Yeah. We all have those people where you're like, don't get me anything. And then they show up and you're like, and don't get me that, that yeah. I definitely didn't want. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it was a two for five. So, you know, or whatever, that kind of thing. 
Yeah. And I, I was thinking about this too. Like I like at the end of the year, I throw a party for my staff. I like to get them a little something. I, you know, some of my vendors I work with, I like a sort of end of the year. Thank you. It was great to do business with you acknowledging a relationship. Like, and I try and send consumables or locally made candy. Yeah. And I do love that sentiment, but like you said, I'm very intentional. Like I want to thank this person and acknowledge this relationship that we have, you know, that's, I don't want to, you know, doing it because I have to do it. Right, right. As we get into this, like, just pay attention, like pay attention to why you're shopping. Be really careful of that. Like one for them, two for me, one for them, two for me, you know? Yeah, no, that's so great. You're right. Especially as we do go into this this crazy time where I used to be like a Black Friday shopper. I used to think I was getting in on all this stuff uh, and more and more, I don't want anything. I, I don't want to give anybody anything. What would you say? Like, as I know you kind of talk about it, I love this where you have a mom who keeps giving stuff to her, her kids and they don't want the stuff. You know, I think there are certain people who that's how they know how to show their love is by just giving stuff. Do you want to talk a little bit about before we kind of end our chat today, what you would recommend to people if you know, if someone is like my family member overgives on stuff, they're always buying stuff that I don't want. How do I have that difficult conversation? Yeah, I love this. I, again, I go back to, you know, Queen Brene, but like clear is kind, like just, and I think the trick with that conversation is to say, Hey, look, we've reevaluated our life. We are making some big changes or we just don't want any more stuff, but we want to celebrate with you. Is there something like, instead of, if you just say like, stop buying me stuff, I don't want that crap you buy anymore. It's super negative and the person feels hurt. But if you can say like, look, what we really want is to like, rent a lake house for a weekend in the summer so we can all spend together. We want to do, you know, can you teach us how to play cards and can we once a month play cards together? Like offer some solution because if you, if a person's a giver, if they're a shopper and a giver, that's like you said, their way of expressing love. So if you just shut it down, they're right. going to be rejected. But if you can say, look, we really want to see you and spend time with you the grandkids want to know you. Can you teach them how to make your favorite recipe? So offer an alternative that isn't shopping and say like, we want to be with you, just not in this way. Right. And I love that. I'm all about, you know, trying to love a person first and understand where they're coming from rather than just being upset with the habit. But I think that's perfect because that's something people struggle with. Yeah. And I think that what you said is so important, Renee, that you're trying to, you know, love that person first and where they're coming from. And if you can understand that they're not shopping to annoy you, they're not giving you gifts. You know, it's like babies when you have, you know, I was around a baby the other day and I was like, oh yeah, they're not throwing their, they're not throwing their bowl on the ground to piss you off because they want to see your reaction. Like it's actually, they're engaging with you and it's yeah. So if you can understand that this person's over shopping and over buying for something's missing inside of them, can you be there for them and say like, Hey, let's what's going on that this is happening. And I think that really understanding instead of being upset with them and also onus is on us, like have a clear conversation. It's time to start having those tough conversations. Like they're not so tough once you have them. It seems like the scariest thing in the world to say like, hey, this year 
we took some financial hits. Like we had to put a roof on the house. We had to do X, Y, and Z. Like we're just not in a strong place. So we're not going to be giving gifts. Like to me, if some, I would like, that's so powerful. So there's no shame in that. That's actually incredibly powerful to be able to own exactly where you are. Right. And what's a lot harder would be continuing on your cycle of debt, if that's the case, or, you know, holding this resentment for a family member and talking bad about them behind their back and complaining to everybody else that they buy you too much stuff rather than just, yeah, the open, honest conversation. Uh, You know, I've been doing this for 15 years. Like the stuff, uh, it doesn't fix anything. It doesn't fix anything. Maybe it makes life a little more comfortable, maybe, but unless it puts you in debt, then you're super uncomfortable. It just, the stuff isn't working. It's just not working. It's not working. And it's not working for the planet. It's not working for our souls. So I think it's, we need to kind of, tr- we, we all need a, like a big Renee reboot. <laughs> a re- a Renee reboot is I saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to like, we got to like, you did it. Like you turned it upside down and it's, you know, I think it's, we need to really see that and start showing up for our families and showing up for ourselves and not hiding behind the bed, you know, Bath and Body Works smelly lotion. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. I'm so glad we were able to chat and get together and do this again. This, I love, again, love your book, The Make Space for Happiness. Um, I haven't read the first one. I'm going to have to scoop it up because um, I just devoured this one. And I'm so glad we were able to connect and chat again. I know people loved our first conversation, so I can only imagine they're going to love this one that much more. I always love talking to you and I love following your journey and I just love how you're putting it into action. Like, I'm just like, yep, yep, yep. You're right there. You're right there. And also just like acknowledging too, like some days it's hard, you know, some days it's hard. And I, again, to go back to, you see it on social media, everyone's like, oh, it's so easy. It's like, oh, it's not that easy. I, know, I was thinking about that today. I'm like, I think I need to start like documenting my crying sessions or something like this is awful. Um, yeah, well, I did a video yesterday where I decluttered an item I'd had since high school and it was like a hard moment. Like even for me, I was like, it's, it, it's like a hairbrush that all the teeth are missing. And I've had it since high school and I kept it in my drawer. And I was like, why are you not letting go of this? And I'm like, but I remember combing my, you know, my fair faucet feathers. With I was going to say, why, what is it? Was it Okay. Yeah, it was just memories, you know, it was just memories. And I'm like, but you have photos of you with that hairstyle. You don't need the broken brush. And so, it, you know, and I think that we, people need to understand it is hard and change is hard, but it's possible. And when you're intentful and you know, what's on the other side, then it's great. Oh, absolutely. My hope for everyone is that you can find a life bigger than stuff, a life beyond stuff. Yep. I love that. You can find a life bigger than stuff. That's what I say, you know, make space for happiness. Yeah. Find a life bigger than stuff. That's, mm, that's great. Thank you so much for hanging out with me on the unstuffed podcast today. And don't think that the party ends here. You can always check the show notes for the latest goodies and freebies that are always available to you. And don't forget. I love hearing from you guys. If you are enjoying the unstuffed podcast, It would mean so much to me if you would take the time to leave a review so that I can hear from you too. Until next time, take a deep breath, let go of anything that has been slowing you down, and I will see you here next week.